It's a beautiful Lord's Day here in the San Francisco Bay Area. Amen. It's a joy to know a God who is in charge of everything, who loves us, who sent His Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, to die for our sins and in great triumph to raise Himself out of death, who has ascended on high, who has been exalted at the right hand of God the Father. And we're gathered together today in awe and in wonder to worship Him. Amen. Our verse again continues on, and we've got to be careful and very alert spiritually in these days. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, I will Forgive their sin, and I will heal their land. That's the challenge for the day in which we live. Have we heard the voice of God? There's a lot going on in our world. It would be a joy to see a whole lot more of repentance and men turning to God rather than to politics and whatever you have to settle the issues of the day. May God turn our hearts toward the Lord of glory. May we find great joy, blessing, and encouragement as we worship together around the Word of God today. In the message today, we're going to talk about the foundation that we must have in place in our lives if we are to minister and to experience victory and joy in our Christian lives in these difficult days in which we live. And then on Wednesday nights, I want to remind you, we're going back to our study of the thriving church. And uh, we've been talking about ways that the Lord Jesus Christ witnessed to people with grace and truth. He was very loving, he was very kind, but he never hesitated to let them know that it was important that they trusted in him. And this week, we're going to take a look at how God, how Jesus used food as a tool for the gospel. And uh, maybe we can learn some things about that as well. We may even get into a second uh, in, uh, instance where he worked with a woman who had fallen into sin. So join us on Wednesday night at 7 p.m. at hamiltonsquare.org and, uh, and enjoy that study with us. So if you will, uh, we have a wonderful scripture lesson today. Uh, one of my favorites because it deals uh, with, with God's revelation of himself in the heavens and the earth and in God's word. Both are a tremendous divine revelation. They're found in Psalm 19. Psalm 19. So if you have a Bible, it would be useful for you to read along. I hope maybe you've memorized this chapter, but even if you've memorized it, you lose the day if you don't rethink it. So read it and rethink it as Pastor Pelletier leads us in this reading. All right, Psalm 19, 14 verses that speak of the value of worshiping God and, his, and the importance of his word. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth his handiwork. Day unto day uttereth utter speech, and night unto night showeth knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. Their line has gone out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. In them hath he set a tabernacle for the sun, which is as a bridegroom coming out of his chamber, and rejoiceth as a strong man to run a race. His going forth is from the end of the heavens, 
and his circuit unto the ends of it, and there is nothing hid from the heat thereof. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is thy servant warned, and in keeping of them there is great reward. Who can understand his errors? Cleanse thou me from secret faults. Keep back thy servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then shall I be upright, and I shall be innocent from the great transgression. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. May God bless the reading of his word. Uh, in every day and in every age, we're, I'm bringing a series of messages, don't know how long it will be, but how to live and minister in an aggressively pagan age. An aggressively pagan, uh, pagan age. We have an aggressive evangelistic paganism in our society today. They are not going to be content until everyone conforms. Uh, and we are going to be cut out of this society, thrown to the side, dispensed of, um, isolated. Uh, the, the things, the threats that are coming our way from, from these so-called tolerant uh, disciples of tolerance, uh, the threats are ominous. How to live and minister in an aggressively pagan age. Now, dear people, it is not our goal to survive. It is our goal to minister biblically in the power of the Holy Spirit, to minister the Word of God and the Gospel of Jesus Christ. It is not we who need to be converted, it is these pagans who need to be converted. They need to be called to repentance and faith in Jesus Christ. We are not backing off from the message. Uh, we were talking, I was talking with Pastor Pelletier prior to the service this morning, and how they are saying that, saying that science says that all of the sexual perversions, the immorality of the day, is okay. Uh, and that's a lie. Science does not say that. Science says that, that, that sexual perversion is a tragedy. Look at the health figures. Look at the disease figures. Look at the societal damage that is being done. Look at the figures and the facts. Science is on our side. It is only those who know Jesus Christ as Savior who have true liberty and joy and freedom. Freedom to live for the glory of God for divine purpose uh, into eternal life. It's an amazing concept uh, that really escapes all of these pagans almost unanimously. How to live and minister in an aggressively pagan age. You have notes that, that I provided for you. I hope that you will reference them now because you will profit much more. We have said that you cannot minister and live successfully in an aggressively pagan age without an unmovable foundation. An unmovable foundation. There must be a personal knowledge of God. 
God, as someone described it, must be as real to you as the bones and the flesh in your fingers, your hands, your arms, and your body. He must be a living reality to you. And if he's not, <laughs> you're a goner. You're a goner. God must be real to you personally. The faith of somebody, you can't live off of the faith of somebody else. You can't live off of the spirituality of someone else. You can't live off of your parents' faith and knowledge or your grandparents' faith and knowledge or the faith and knowledge of your church. It has got to be a personal knowledge of God. And then we emphasized that knowledge of God involves a personal relationship with God. A personal relationship with God. And we talked about Enoch, how he walked with God. In an ungodly culture, he was the seventh from Adam, and uh, the culture was building up to the wickedness that God uh, used to determine that all would be destroyed except one family, Noah and his family. All were welcomed in the ark. That's interesting. Only eight people, eight human beings, uh, boarded that ark. And isn't it very interesting and amazing that the animal kingdom had more sense than the human kingdom did. <laughs> they got on board, at least two of every kind. And, uh, but uh, the human kind rejected the whole business and went down in a flood, a great flood judgment. Then we talked about a foundation in the Word of God. And again, I want to emphasize that science textbooks are going to change. Science is not really science Unless it's truly science and it says that the final word is not in yet, but when you have God's word, the final word is in because the one who made it all tells us how he made it and why he made it and what its purpose is. It's all given for us by divine revelation in the word of God. And so we went on page two. We said that the only authentic information about our existence is in the word of God. Nobody else has got this thing figured out correctly. Who am I? Why am I here? And what am I supposed to be doing? And then, then we have the fact that we are supposed to proclaim this truth. Proclaim this truth. We are to convict people of, uh, of the truth of what we believe. We are to exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine, great patience and instruction. We talked about the fact that everything in which we live is a created order. But initially, and most people miss this, initially it was not a cosmos, it was a chaos in a sense. Because Genesis 1-1 indicates, 1 and 2 rather, indicates that God created the heavens and the earth, but in verse number 2, this earth was without form and void. Uh, it was formless and void and darkness covered or was over the surface, the face of the deep. And then God began to put order into this thing, step by step, in six days of creation, the seventh being a day of rest. So there were six days of creation, seven days of creation, in the sense that when God finished it, completed it, he rested, he stopped. He did nothing on that day, no more creation. And God had a plan, God had a detailed plan, a detailed purpose, the, the, the trees and the living vegetation had seed in them after their kind, genetically. And uh, the animals uh, created after their kind, and human, human beings after its kind, if you please. All of it genetically in place. A plan, a purpose, and a design, an intricate design. 
And so anyone in the scientific world that looks out there and sees what's going on uh, will be amazed at the order and how it all works together and how it functions. Uh, we don't always understand the purpose of things. I was looking yesterday at some video clips from Hubble. This is very interesting. If you can find them, uh, you, if you can find some video clips from Hubble and see some of the time sequences that Hubble takes of galaxies and other formations in the universe, you just sit there, it's like going up and seeing these huge redwood trees. Your your jaw just drops and you wonder, wow, wow, this is going on out there. And, and all of it in, 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 in a wonderful order and design, if you please. Well, now... When we're talking about living in a day of confusion, and, and this, the days in which we live are very troubled days. Uh, the church has experienced four years now, four years of calm in, in, uh, under an administration that has been probably the most friendly administration the churches have ever had, uh, at least in my lifetime. And now this is changing to a hostile administration. So, as the old fellow said, let the fun begin. Now, we're headed into some more turmoil. The turmoil isn't over. You can blame it on this group. You can blame it on that group. Uh, but uh, you can blame it on sin and the devil and the fact that an unregenerated pagan society will not do things God's way. And if you're, we're going to choose to be a pagan society that will not do things God's way, we're smarter than God. We're going to throw the Bible out. We're going to throw God out, throw his word out. Uh, then we are headed for troubled seas because we have all these egomaniacs in the political world mm -hmm. who are pretending to be gods. But the problem is none of these gods are reading off the same page. They're all reading off their own page. And uh, so when you, when you throw that in the, into the ring, you, you have got a mess. But uh, now, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Let's get some perspective on this whole thing. The news for the last six months has been filled with chaos and despair and upheaval, disease, death. Let's get a perspective on this thing. You and I are believers. God created all of this. And we're going to look at point number five on page two in your notes. We're going to look at Hebrews 1.1. 1, 1. And I want you to notice the, just the brief heading on point number five, God's plan for the ages. And I want you to notice that in the Greek language, there is a word that deals with the ages. There's a word, the cosmos, that deals with the mechanics of a universe, heavens and earth. Uh, this is the mechanical, physical universe itself. But that universe exists in a time framework, in a time framework, time and space. And there are what we call ages, and the ages are what takes place in time. They are God's plan for what should happen with the mechanical universe in the, in the, in the warp or, or framework of time. God has... A plan for time. Now, when you get to the end of Genesis, I'm sorry, at the end of Revelation, you have a new heaven and a new earth. When you get to 2 Peter chapter 3, you have a new heaven and a new earth. You, you have a fiery conflagration, a burning up of the present heaven and earth, a recreating of the heavens and the earth, a new heaven and a new earth. 
So there is a time warp for all of this, if you please. There's a beginning in Genesis 1.1, and there is a re-beginning at the end of the book of Revelation. There's a re-beginning, if you please, what takes place in time. So follow me now, because I'm going somewhere with this. Genesis, I'm sorry, Hebrews 1.1. God, who at sundry times and in divers manners speak in time past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us, literally, by a son, that's one who is divine in nature, whom he hath appointed heir of everything. All right, now I want you to notice that. That the heir of everything is not the Democrats or Republicans, it's not the American dream. The heir of everything is the Son of God. Jesus Christ, the, 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 the universe was created for him, by him, and the reason it all exists is for his praise and his glory and his plans and his purposes. I want to ask you how you personally as a believer relate to Jesus Christ. You exist because of him and for him. That's, that's the divine revealed purpose of your life. Now, have you put that plan in motion in your life? That is the question. That is the question. And you will notice by whom also he made the worlds or the ages. On page 3, the New American Standard says, through whom also he made the world. He made the ages. Now, it's not here. We're not talking about the material world. We are talking about the world in the sense that God has a purpose for things to happen in the time framework in which the world exists. God has something he wants done. He has something that he has arranged beforehand. Now, in a moment, we're going to come to the reason for this. Uh, let's take the note. Let's go, let's go ahead to the note uh, under Hebrews 11.3. Do you see the word note there? Historically, the Hebrew believers, the Jewish believers, were living in very difficult times, which raised many questions in their hearts and in their minds. Now, these difficult times, and we're going to go back up to Hebrews 11.3, but we're going to Hebrews 10.32 before we go back. Notice, and let's take the New American Standard translation here, but remember the former days when after being enlightened you endured a great conflict of sufferings. Now, this was their experience in the society in which they were living. A great conflict of sufferings. Now, we do not welcome them in our lives. And as the pagans become more aggressive, Christians are going to be losing their jobs. You watch this now. They're going to be ostracized and excluded from certain businesses and certain privileges in society. This is going to happen under the new administration. They're planning it already. And, <clears throat> but they endured a great conflict of sufferings. But, now notice it's described further, partly by may, be may, being made a public spectacle. Uh, that's from that word theater. They were caused to be publicly displayed and embarrassed. They were made a public spectacle. It, it wasn't enough to reject them. They were set up publicly as examples. And this is being done on the media today. People are being outed. And, and things are happening to Christians uh, around the world along this line. They were made a public spectacle through notice, reproaches, 
that sounds like CNN, and tribulations, and partly by becoming sharers with those who were so treated. Now it goes on. It goes on. You showed sympathy to the prisoners and accepted joyfully the seizure of your property. Now these are things these believers had experienced. Knowing that you have for yourselves a better possession and a lasting one. And then he concludes by saying, do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward. Now let's go back to Hebrews 11.3. Hebrews 11.3. Through faith, we understand, and that word understand means we, we grasp with our mind, with our thinking, that the worlds were prepared or framed. The worlds here is the ages were prepared by literally the utterances of God, things that God spoke into being, things that God spoke into being, so that what we see is not here because of things that are apparent or visible because it originated in the heart, the mind of, of God, and it was spoken into being by his words, by his utterances. But you'll notice that the ages were prepared by the word of God. Now, if you read through Hebrews 11, you have all of the, this is what we call the hall of faith. These were the great heroes of faith through the word of God, through the Old Testament scriptures. And I think we start with Abel and we go on through and, and, and David and Daniel and, and some, of course, were, were, were uh, put, sawn in two and dragged through the streets. Just, just all kinds of things happened to these saints. But what, what the writer of Hebrews is saying here is this, that every age, every age has a plan and a purpose of God for that age. Now, we've, I've lived through an age that's been basically in this nation very friendly to the cause of Christ. It's now becoming very hostile. But it has been very friendly. But the word prepared there, the ages were prepared or framed. That's an interesting word. If you go on a, I don't know if you go on a camping trip or not. I've never, rarely have I ever gone on a camping trip. What do you do if you go on a camping trip? Well, you just all get in the car and you go. No, you don't. You prepare for that thing. You say, we're going to need a camp, or a stove, we're going to need food, or we're going to need a tent, or we're going to need this, we're going to need that, we're going to need some extra changes of clothes in case we get wet. You, you determine what are all the needs, and so you prepare, you outfit. When, when you send a, a, a soldier to battle our country, it's, a, it's interesting to watch these guys in the National Guard. It looks like they're equipped for, a, like every, every man can be a one-man war. I mean, they've got everything that they need regardless for all the eventualities uh, of conflict. It, it's all there, it's all packaged up neatly. And they carry it around. They are prepared. Well, now, what the writer of Hebrews is saying is you've got to understand that God prepares every day, every time, in every place for special divine purpose. This is not an accident. You are not accidentally living at the wrong time. You're not accidentally living in the wrong place. You're not accidentally working in the wrong corporate whatever. You, 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 who you are, where you are, when you came into existence, the family into which you have come, 
the things that transpire and happen to you, none of this is by accident. By faith we comprehend. Look at these lists of these names. Abraham had a special set of circumstances to accomplish a special mission for God, as did Isaac, as did Jacob, as did Moses, going before that as did Noah, and then going on as did, as did David, as did the prophets. Uh, all of these people lived at different times, under different circumstances, because there was a different divine purpose. So I want to suggest to you that the day in which we're living in the COVID that's engulfed this world in disease, this is in the framework of the plan and purpose of God. Amen. And, and our business is not to survive this. Our business. God has a plan for me personally in this thing. And he's a plan for you personally. It's not my business to, to survive the COVID. It is my business to make sure that God's plan for this eventuality in my life and God's purpose is fully achieved and accomplished in my life. Amen. And when I get done, it's my business and my plan and purpose to have a church not that has survived the COVID, a church that has fallen in love with God, has fallen in love with His Word, has, has become more awesome in, in, their, in their perception of God, uh, who, who worships God not in a pajama culture, but in a culture of, of reverence and awe, and who feel that the, that the world around us needs more than ever the preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. And more than all of the other occupations in life, the need of the church of Jesus Christ is to produce proclaimers of Jesus Christ, proclaimers of the word of God, proclaimers of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We need that more than anything else. Yes. And as a congregation, this needs to be on our hearts. Yes. By faith we grasp with our minds that this present age in time was outfitted in detail by the plans and the purposes of God. This is not an accident. Science is not going to see us out of this. Revelation is going to see us out of this mess. Mm. I'm not against true science. But science is not a substitute for revelation, and it never will be. So, historically, these Jewish believers were living in very difficult times. There are many questions in their hearts and minds. Notice the question at the bottom of this thing. <clears throat> How did all of this fit into the plan and purpose of God for their lives? Some of these people were in jail. And by the way, we've come to a day when, when, when different opinions have been criminalized in the political world. That's dangerous stuff. Where preaching the word of God and biblical morality is going to be a hate crime. Where colleges and universities are going to be expected either to bow to the homosexual transgender agenda or be threatened with the loss of their accreditation and legitimacy as educational institutions. What does all of this mean? How does this fit into the plan and purposes of God? Well, it does. How can this be reconciled to their belief in the sovereignty and goodness of God? How can they justify the suffering and misery that had been brought upon their lives? 
when you get to Hebrews 12, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher, the consummation, the completer of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, is set down at the right hand of God. You know, if God is God, and he is, we are his people, and God is not a loser. Now hear me. It is more honorable to die for something than it is to live for nothing. To live a purposeless life is the greatest tragedy that can befall an individual. Just to float along in response to the circumstance, we are not here to do that. We are here to know the God who created us, to know him through Jesus Christ, his son. We are here to love him. We are here to honor him. We are here to understand who he made us to be as individuals, and none of us are the same. Why he has put us where he has put us. What is our mission in life where we live? What does God want us to do? We are here for divine purpose. And I thank God for that knowledge in my own personal life. And every individual ought to live with that certainty. Now, it is very interesting. It is very interesting that that in human history God has a plan. A decisive plan in human history. We're going to take a rather long text in Daniel, and we'll probably park here for the rest of the message. But but Daniel, the great prophet Daniel, uh, it, to my knowledge, she was somewhere maybe 16, 17 years old. That I would just guess that. That's a personal guess, but I would say he was 16, 17 years old. Uh, when he was taken captive by Nebuchadnezzar. And as a captive, he was carried to Babylon. And uh, as a youth in Babylon, he was chosen to be trained in the way of the Chaldeans, the language and the literature uh, of, of the Chaldeans. Because someone had to be able to represent the Jewish captives, and so he was chosen with that potential in mind. And, and as a young man, as a young man, he made some profound choices. He made some profound choices. Oh, I would desire that the young people in our church would get a hold of God like he did. Um, he had tremendous confidence in God. And, and when he was given a choice to violate his convictions about the Jewish law in regards to, to the eating of various things, he decided that that if he would do what was right, God would honor him. And if God didn't honor him, it was better to die than to do wrong. Wow. Give me some teenagers like that. Then we've got a future. Mm -hmm. If we don't have teenagers like that, we have no future in America. Mm -hmm. We have no future. That's the challenge. That's the challenge. And uh, so so he made that choice. And uh, then uh, as he made that choice, uh, he wisely asked for a leave to eat the kind of food he should and then if his appearance if it didn't work it was okay but it did work and his flesh and the others the three that were with him there was fairer and fatter than the other ones 
And he ended up having a wisdom and a stature before the Chaldeans that nobody else had. He and his three friends. Absolutely amazing how God honored that kind of conviction. The reason people don't get miracles like that is because they don't have conviction like that. They're not willing to take the risk. Daniel stuck his neck out. The risk was death. Most Christians don't think that way. Most Christians, they would say a dozen live Christians better than one dead one. But you really don't have Christians unless you have Christians who are solely devoted to God and to Christ. So Daniel made his decision, a man of great character, and as a youth yet, the king is in trouble. He has a dream, very wise King Nebuchadnezzar, <laughs> and he has a dream, and, and all of these great uh, soothsayers and, and all of these priests and, and what have you, necromancers, they all come, all of his wise men and and he says, I had a dream, and I want you to give me the interpretation. They said, well, tell us the dream. He said, no. He said, you've got to tell me what the dream is, because if you have supernatural knowledge, you'll know what the dream is. He said, otherwise, how can I trust that you know the, the interpretation of the dream? If you can't supernaturally know the dream, how can I know that you're right when you interpret the dream? You might be f f feeding me a lot of nonsense. Well, he had, he had, he had some good sense. He had it all figured out. You guys are so smart, tell me the dream. And he said, if you can't, it's the lion's den or the furnace, whatever, you're all going to die. He said, you, 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 you are nothing, you're nothing but, but phonies. Well, Daniel got word and he and his friends prayed. He and his friends prayed and they received an answer and Daniel's famous image was in that dream. So now let's read about this in our notes, and, and we're going to take time to read through the whole text. Daniel's giving, Daniel's giving his response to the king, beginning with verse number 31. You, O king, were looking, and behold, there was a single great statue, that statue which was large and of extraordinary, extraordinary splendor, was standing in front of you, and its appearance was awesome. The head of that statue, statue was made of fine gold, its breast and its arms of silver, its belly and its thighs of bronze, its legs of iron, its feet partly of iron, partly clay. You continued looking until the stone was cut out without hands and it struck the statue on its feet of iron and clay and crushed them. Then the iron, the clay, the bronze, the silver and gold were crushed all at the same time and became like chaff from the summer threshing floors. The wind carried them away so that not a trace of them was found. But the stone that struck the statue became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. This was the dream. Now we will tell its interpretation before the king. All right? The interpretation has to do with the ion, the ages, with God's plan, God's historic plan, which here is given in detail supernatural detail of the coming kingdoms of the world hundreds and thousands of years in advance. This was the dream. Verse 36. Now we will tell its interpretation before the king. You, O king, are the king of kings to whom the God of heaven has given the kingdom, the power, the strength, and the glory. And wherever the sons of men dwell, or the beasts of the field, or the birds of the sky, he has given them into your hand and has caused you to rule over them all. Now notice that God is doing this. 
God raised you up. God has given you a kingdom. God has placed these in subjection to you. Now, God is doing all of this, okay? History is the story of God at work. And whether you recognize it or not, the history of your life is the history, of, are you listening, is the history of God at work. If you can't see it, then you better ask God to open your eyes. God is doing all of this. All right? So, notice again. God, to whom the God has, of heaven has given the kingdom. He has given them into your hand. He has caused you to rule over them all. You are the head of gold. After you, there will arise another kingdom inferior to you. Then another third kingdom of bronze, which will rule over all the earth. Then there will be a fourth kingdom, as strong as iron, inasmuch as iron crushes and shatters all things. So like iron that breaks it in pieces, it will crush and break all these in pieces. In that you saw the feet and the toes, partly of potter's clay and partly of iron, it will be a divided kingdom, but it will have it in the toughness of iron, inasmuch as you saw the iron mixed with the common clay. As the toes of the feet were partly of iron, partly of pottery, so some of the kingdom will be strong, part of it will be brittle. And in that you saw the iron mixed with the common clay, they will combine with one another in the seed of men or offspring of men. They will not adhere to one another, even as iron does not combine with pottery. In those and the days of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom which will never be destroyed. That kingdom will not be left for another people. It will crush and put an end to all these kingdoms. But it will itself endure forever. In as much as you saw that a stone was cut out of the mountain without hands, and that it crushed the iron, the bronze, the clay, the silver, and the gold. Now notice, notice this. The great God has made known to the king what will take place in the future, so the dream is true and its interpretation is trustworthy. This is absolutely Amazing. History is not an accident. You can write it any way you want. You can leave God out of it if you want. But the only explanation for history is God Almighty. Amen. A sovereign God. A sovereign God. By faith we comprehend with our mind that the ages were outfitted, prepared, put together in detail by the utterance of God. So that things which we see don't come about by things that appear. What we, what we can see out there cannot account for what's taking place. If you were to ask for an accounting of what's happening in our country today, you cannot account for it by what you know. You can study the history of our country, you can study the politics, you can study the sociology of our country, you can study all of that. None of that can explain what's happening today. None. Mm -hmm. There is the hand of God working his purposes in all of this in ways behind the scenes and sometimes in plain sight unrecognized. You and I are alive in the right age at the right time in the right place. Born of the right parentage. Hear me. The right personality, the right physical makeup, the right psychological and spiritual makeup. We are the right person in the right place at the right time by divine appointment and divine purpose. Do you get it? Do you get it? And in advance, 
in advance. Now you will notice that, that Daniel under inspiration gave this to the king and wrote it down in writing. The utterance of God in the book of Daniel created, are you hearing me, created history in advance. The ages were prepared and framed by the utterances of God. That's how they come about. Your circumstances are not in charge of your life. Listen to me. The COVID is not in charge of your life. The circumstances surrounding you are not in charge of your life. God Almighty is in charge of your life. And if you live that way, and you live in His plan and purpose, His plan and purposes will be fulfilled. The greatest glory of God is the greatest joy and fulfillment of your life. Don't forget that ever. The greatest glory of God is your greatest joy. It's your greatest blessing. It's your greatest purpose. It's your greatest fulfillment of life. It's your greatest fullness of life. It's your greatest fullness of life. The dream is true. And in advance, these prophets, and, and one, of the, one of the most fascinating Texts in Old Testament in the Old Testament prophets is in Jeremiah, where God tells Jeremiah, "Here's this young guy," and God says, "I'm I'm appointing you a prophet over the nations, not over Israel, over the nations." And He said, "You're going to overthrow kingdoms, build them up. Over you, you are powerfully going to predict the movement of nations." The demise of nations, the victory of nations, one over the other, the conquering of nations, and the survival of my people, and the building of my temple. You're, you, you are going, you, you, you have, and how did Jeremiah the prophet have such power? He didn't have such personal power. It's the word of God that creates all of this. And he spoke the word of God. And as God's word is spoken, it creates, it's creative in its power. It's what God says about your life. And if you'll find out what he says and you'll get a hold of some of his promises for you, his promises will change your future if you'll, by faith, grip them. Are you listening mm -hmm. to me? It's the word of God that creates the future. It's the power of God that ensures your future. You're not safe because you're hiding from COVID. You're safe only because God is with you. Amen. And I'm not throwing aside the precautions. Please don't misunderstand me. But the precautions mean nothing apart from the help and blessing of God. So, God has a plan in human history. And you and I are in an age that is going to be less friendly and less friendly toward believers, and increasingly hostile and more openly hostile. We're facing it now if God sends a spiritual awakening in our country. It's amazing what might happen. God's a gracious God. If my people who are called by my name, have you done this yet personally, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sin. I will heal their land. God has the power to do that. If you've never been saved, listen, Stop wrestling with God. You don't have to. You've got nothing to prove except 
that God loves you and you can prove that by simply receiving Jesus Christ as your Savior. Let him change your life. Don't hang on to what you got. Let God transform your life by his saving power. It's amazing what God does when we come to him and, and, and we give our lives to him. Come unto me, Jesus said, all you that labor and are heavy laden. Sin only gets you into a mess. Jesus said, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn of me. I'm meek and lowly in heart. You'll find rest under your souls. God has a plan for our lives. I beg of you, present your bodies to God, a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, your rational, logical service of worship in order that you might prove and demonstrate personally what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. My, 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 my. You have a choice to just survive the age in which you live. The age is going to be there regardless of what you do. And you can float your way through and try to just survive personally and keep your own personal life intact. Or you can give your life to God and let him do what he wants with it. <laughs> you can give yourself to divine purpose. Wow, what a difference. That's the challenge today. That's the challenge today. I think we ought to sing the hymn that we sang last, last, last week as we concluded the service. Just a wonderful hymn. And let's get back to God's Word, to God and His Word in our lives. Uh, the glory of God is the ultimate human blessing. Hear me. The glory of God is the ultimate human blessing. And that wonderful, wonderful hymn, How Firm a Foundation, Ye Saints of the Lord, is laid for your faith in His excellent Word. God is a great God. Do you have a spiritual foundation in your life? Have you been born again?